The scripture today comes from John 14, verses 15 through 26. If you love me, keep my commandments, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever, the spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. Whoever has my commandments and keeps them is one who loves me. The one who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I too will love them and show myself to them. Anyone who loves me will obey my teachings. The word of God for the people of God. Well, here we are, a week after Pentecost, when we traditionally celebrate the birth of the church. We did that last week, and we even celebrated with the newest members of our church who were confirmed and became full members of the church. We have one more that's going to take that step a little later in our service this morning. We read from Acts chapter 2, where the church went from being a loosely organized bunch of hopeful followers waiting to see what was going to happen to a spirit-filled, power-infused group of motivated disciples of Jesus Christ. But we're still not done with Pentecost. It's much more than one day in history. It's much more than one day to be celebrated in the church in fact, Pentecost is more than just a specific liturgical season in the church. It's also about the continual work of the Holy Spirit in us and in the church. I'm one of these people who likes to compare befores and afters. I've done that on multiple occasions in the last year since we've been here. Again, I wonder about the before and after on the day of Pentecost. In my mind, I imagine the before as a bunch of people who got together because they were supposed to, did the right things because they should, avoided the wrong things because that's what was expected, and pretty matter-of-factly went through the motions even though they'd experienced the resurrection of Jesus just a few weeks prior to this time, they were still operating on mere human power. The after must have been incredible. All of a sudden, this group is now filled with new power, with new life, with new energy. There was excitement because the power of the Holy Spirit was doing something incredible in them. They're totally blessed to be called followers of Jesus Christ. They are unmistakably powered by the touch of God's Spirit. I have to believe that was a huge observable difference on that Pentecost day. Once the Holy Spirit was unleashed on the church to bring life and love and power. And I also wonder... 
which we're more like today, the before or the after of that first Pentecost. The scripture we read earlier doesn't really tell us in Jesus' words the after at Pentecost. It hadn't happened at this point. These words of Jesus from John's gospel are telling us what will be. They're prophetic words about what to expect and about what Jesus was willing to give his life for. He anticipated the body of Christ coming to life, responding and loving obedience. So let's look at a little bit of that scripture and some of the things we see in it. Four times in these few verses from John's gospel, Jesus mentions the coming of the Holy Spirit and that the Holy Spirit will come to be with us, to live in us, to help us, to teach us. Four times Jesus connects love and obedience, both as the work of the Holy Spirit in us and as our response to the Holy Spirit. He uses phrases like, if you love me, keep my commandments. Whoever has my commands and keeps them is the one who loves me. And it goes on in similar fashion. So in the expectations of Jesus, when the Holy Spirit comes at Pentecost, love and obedience will be completely connected and fully enabled in us by the Holy Spirit. With the Spirit living in us, we can't really obey fully without loving Jesus, and we can't really love without obeying His commands. They're woven together for us in God's design for the people of God. That's what discipleship looks like, not just church membership, but discipleship. So let's think about what that might mean for us as those who today are called to be spirit-filled disciples who live in loving obedience to our Lord. Does our spirit-filled love truly lead us to obedience? Full, complete obedience. Or are we merely settling for good? Or even being excellent? That's a question that Fred Stoker asks in one of his books. Is it our aim as disciples of Christ to be obedient or do we settle for excellence? Sounds like a strange question, but think about it for a minute. Obedience or excellence. In many situations, excellence is pretty desirable, right? It means we're doing well, even better than good. Excellence will get you some good results in life. In school, excellence will probably get you an A on a test or a project or a report of some kind. At work, excellence will get you compliments, good results, maybe a raise, maybe a promotion. But in the service of our Savior, excellence is not necessarily 
obedience. At least not full and complete obedience. And if it's not full and complete obedience, the argument could be made that it's not really obedience at all. If it's less than perfect obedience, it's not obedience. Let's think about it in human terms for just a minute. Imagine that you are caring for a child who is having a great morning with you and they've pulled out all kinds of toys and had a super time in your care. But now it's time to begin to clean up. And you say to that child, please pick up all 10 of those toys laying in the floor and put them back where they go. You got them, you know where they go. Please pick up all 10 of those toys. And they pick up nine of them and leave one in the middle of the floor. Have they obeyed? Have they obeyed what you asked them to do or not? They left one in the middle of the floor. Okay, so that's 90%. That's an A in most classes, right? The child gets an A. Did they do excellent? Did they obey your direction? The issue is not that good or even excellent still allows for less than perfect. Excuse me. The issue is that good or excellent it still allows for less than perfect. It makes room for a mixture, a compromise, mostly success, but not all. Now, at school or in business, that's okay. In fact, businesses work hard for excellence, but not perfection, because perfection would cost them too much. It would cost way more in training and equipment and personnel and quality to do perfection. It leaves no room for any mistakes, any accidents of any kind. Now, most of the time, we're okay with that. As customers, even if it happens that on a rare occasion, an accident or a mistake takes place in a business we're in and it affects us, if it's excellent most of the time, we can live with that rare mistake that takes place. Excellence will keep people happy most of the time. In fact, a lot of businesses sit around trying to figure out how to be excellent and how far does it mean we have to go in being excellent without ever being perfect? How far do we have to go to be considered excellent? How high does a restaurant's health department rating have to be to make us feel good about it, for example? I don't know about you, but I look at those ratings hanging on the windows and the doors when I go in restaurants. And usually, if a restaurant is low to mid-90s, I'm pretty okay with that. And I'll go in there and eat consistently because that's excellent. Mid-90s, all right. But can you imagine only going into a restaurant that gets rated 100 100% of the time, 
no mistakes, no mess ups. That eliminates a lot of places, a lot of good places. In many areas of life, we are okay with just excellent. And we don't even try to imagine perfect. But when we apply that to our obedience to God, is that really where we want to go? How obedient do I have to be to be considered good in God's sight? Or how obedient do I need to be to be excellent? How much less than perfect obedience can I get away with? Really, is that where we want to land in our thinking about our relationship with God? Asking ourselves, how far can I go and still be called a Christian? How much can I disobey and still be excellent in my discipleship? You know, there is not a lot of scripture that calls us simply to be good or even excellent disciples of Christ. Nothing in the Bible tells us be good or excellent in our living. There are multiple times in the Bible where we're reminded that God says, be holy. Be holy because I am holy. So maybe the question we should be asking is, with the Spirit living in me, how can I be holy? Not how can I be good or even excellent. How can I be holy? That's a Pentecost type of question. Because on Pentecost, we weren't given the good spirit or even the excellent spirit. We were given the Holy Spirit to lead us into holy, perfect obedience. We dare not settle for excellence when we're called to holy obedience. Obedience that, according to the scripture we read, is connected with loving God. For that type of obedience to be part of our daily lives, we have to participate in Pentecost. Pentecost was not a one-time experience, a miraculous occasion where the Holy Spirit showed up and blessed some people and then disappeared. Pentecost is, should be, a daily experience in the lives of those who are disciples of Jesus Christ, giving us the power, filling us with the love to be obedient, not good, not even excellent, but fully obedient that for which there is no substitute. Not almost obeyed or a 90% obedient. Fully obedient, connected with our love for God. Now, I got to tell you, when I hear that, I find myself thinking, wow, how's that even possible for me or for us all? Frankly, it's not possible without the ongoing experience of Pentecost in our lives, without the Holy Spirit's presence and power living within us. Without that, we are doomed to fail. But with the Holy Spirit, 
with the Spirit's presence and power living within us, all things become possible. Even full, perfect obedience. Not by our own power, but by the power of the Spirit dwelling within us. For that to take place, we have to participate with the Holy Spirit in the work of Pentecost. We can't just sit on our pews and say, okay, Spirit, do that Pentecost thing to me. It doesn't work that way. We must say, come Holy Spirit, do your work in me. Fill me with love, with power, with an obedient spirit. See, God can do it in us, not to us, not for us. In us, as we surrender, as we open ourselves, as we cooperate with the work God wants to do in our lives by the presence of his spirit. Pentecost is a partnership in the sense that the Holy Spirit's work is most powerful in those who cooperate or surrender to that work. Maybe yield is the word we should use rather than cooperate. Those who yield to the work of the Spirit. So today, a week after Pentecost, where are we? Are we daily yielding to the work of the Holy Spirit, which leads to love and obedience? Or have we decided to settle for just good or even settle for excellent? In our lives, God's perfect love fills us and calls us to perfect obedience. Are we willing to let the Spirit lead us into a discipleship of perfect obedience? Or are we okay with merely being good or maybe even being excellent? Knowing that means compromise and accepting less than full obedience. I gotta tell you, God has more for us than mere excellence. You will not find a business that will tell you that. God has more for us than mere excellence. For those who want to love God and choose to obey the commands of God, God has for us his perfect Holy Spirit. To those whom God gives the Spirit, God makes possible complete love and perfect obedience. Much, much more than excellence. Are we ready to lay down our lives and surrender to God's action of Pentecost in us, receiving the power and love that enable us to perfectly obey? Or are we going to settle for excellent? In a lot of places, excellent would be okay. But God has much more for us. And excellence. As I think about that in my own life, in the lives of our church, I'm thinking, wow. 
That's a little bit exciting. It's also a little scary, a little intimidating. And I feel so unqualified to even consider the possibility of perfect obedience. That leads me again and again to realize my need, to realize our need to regularly, daily commit to or recommit to God's perfect love, God's perfect power, perfect obedience as the Holy Spirit continually does the work of Pentecost within us. As we close with our hymn this morning, I encourage you to take a moment and and consider that commitment or recommitment that, uh, that you may be feeling called to as you think about the ominous idea of perfect obedience. Not on our own, it can't happen. But by the power of the Holy Spirit. As we cooperate in the work of Pentecost in our lives, as we surrender, as we yield to the work of the Spirit, it becomes totally possible. Don't settle for less than God's perfect spirit that leads to perfect love, perfect obedience. God has more for us than just excellence. Would you pray with me? Lord, you call us to love you and to obey you in the words of our scripture. That feels like an incredible call. One for which we're not really prepared. But we believe. And we trust in you. As we believe the truth that you say. You can fill us with your spirit. And then it becomes totally possible. Lord save us from just merely being good or even excellent. Save us from acceptance of 80 or 90% faithfulness and obedience and love. Call us forward in our relationship with you and our daily journey with you as disciples to faithful obedience at 100%. Complete obedience out of our love for you. Not because we should or are expected to, but because we love you. We give ourselves to you again today for that purpose. Breathe into us new life daily that comes from the presence of your spirit with us and within us. We pray all this in the name of Christ our Lord. Amen.